Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit. My name is Ryan, and I serve as the Connections Pastor, and I am not married to the pastor. Uh, that was uh, Danielle last week. She did a, a tremendous job. Uh, so good to have her uh, uh, help us out, but it's great to be back. Sunday was Message 3, Pastor Christian uh, series, of course, called Jesus and Spiritual Foundations. We're really been in depth in the Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew chapter 7. The message was called Perfection Destroyed. Uh, we want to welcome you uh, who are listening from wherever you're at. If you wanted to uh, check out this week's sermon so you can kind of maybe listen to it and then check out the podcast, you can uh, go to JC, uh, the JCI app. You can catch us on YouTube or our uh, TakeTheJourney.cc website. People tune in uh, f- uh, every week trying to, to grow in their faith, to uh, become a stronger disciple of Christ, and uh, we also want to help activate people's faith. So we're glad you're here. The series premise uh, to this new series has been to learn the foundational belief uh, beliefs that followers of Jesus embrace as their spiritual worldview. Uh, Pastor Christian, our discipleship team has been working on the new discipleship tracks. You've made mention of these and we'll be launching them this fall. So I thought, I thought I could ask you some questions from the message through the lens of our four tracks. Uh, the first track is our Jesus track where we, we really help to help, we hope to help people, um, love Jesus more. So the second part of your message talks about the few, the narrow and the life. And you go on to talk about finding the keys to the small gate, and you give five of them. The first one always, man, always helps me to love Jesus more because it includes sinful me. Um, key number one was this. It's open to anybody who wants to pass through it. Now, I know you'll unpack that a little bit more, but where in the Bible do we, do we learn this grace-filled truth, and how should or could that affect our love for him? Man, so a lot in the question and a, and a, and a lot in this series. Yeah. So Matthew seven thirteen and 14 is what we were talking about. Enter through the narrow gate for, for broad is the road, um, that leads to destruction. Wide is the gate and, and many enter through that. So many are headed to destruction, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that lead to life. And only a, only a few find it. So when, when we looked at the broad road, and I know we'll ask more questions about this later on, we, we see a world trying to retrofit, um, God to itself instead of retrofitting itself to God. So in, instead of asking, how can I fit into what God desires for me, we're asking, how can God fit into what I desire for me? And that, and that is the, that is the broad road. That's the, that's the big gate. There are lots of people moving in that direction. But Jesus says we ought to be looking for the narrow gate. He didn't say it would only hold so many people. He just said it was narrow to get through and that only a few are going to find it. So we said, what does it take to find the narrow gate? And we, we unpack those five keys. The, the first key when, when we read from Jesus is that this gate is open to everyone. Not everyone finds it. But it's a, it's available 
to everyone? Where is that truth unpacked in the gospel? In this conversation that we'll talk about a little bit later in John chapter 3, Jesus speaking with one of the religious leaders of Israel, uh, a guy by the name of Nicodemus, he's asking Jesus how clearly you've been bringing a new teaching, clearly God is with you. How, how do I can, how do I connect to God? Because he lived life as a Pharisee and I think he'd come up wanting. I like, it's like, this isn't working for me. We know there's a better way. And Jesus says, you gotta be born again. And he's like, how's that possible? Um, you know, I'm old. I'm mature. Learned a lot spiritually. How do I just start all over? And Jesus is like, well, you, you do that through the spirit. So he's having this discussion with Nicodemus and Nicodemus is trying to sort it all out of how does God love and how do we connect to God and how do I connect to God? And Jesus gives him that, that great verse in John three sixteen that God so loves the world that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You say, who does God want to pass through the narrow gate? The answer would be the world. Paul told Timothy in second Timothy that God desires for all men to be saved and to worship him. Not all, not all will be. Jesus would say in this message, not most will be, but all could be. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, but a lot will, will, will not do it out of what the other keys are. So the first key is, um, anyone can enter through it. Second key is people have to have help finding it, which is why, why, why Christians have to point them to the narrow gate, kind of hard to find, but once you find it, it leads to a lot of life. But then we talk about the keys of surrender. We talk about the keys of trust. We talk about the keys of obedience. A lot of people will worship Jesus in heaven because they have chosen to surrender their life. We quoted Mark eight thirty four through 36. They've denied themselves. They've taken up their cross. They trust Jesus with their life more than they trust themselves with their life. So they surrender, they trust, and, and then they obey because Jesus said, people who love me, obey me. So so there's going to be a whole crowd glorifying Jesus on their knees in heaven. But then, but then Paul says to the church in Philippi, there's going to be a whole crowd under the earth, like in hell, who realize, but after it's too late, I should have surrendered. I should have trusted. I should have obeyed. But even, even their tongue will say Jesus was it and, and I missed it. So as we look at the first key and you talk about sinful me, um, sinful you, sinful me, sinful us. The fact that this gate is there and it's real and it's open and that someone has helped us find it, we attribute that all to the love of Jesus, that Jesus opened it, that Jesus pointed us to it, that Jesus put people in our life to help us get there, that Jesus loved us as we stood outside and considered it, that Jesus loved us when we passed through it and looked back and wondered, do I still want to live this life, that that Jesus would open it for us and then make sure we got to it, and then help us get through it, and then help us stay on the other side of it. All those reasons are reasons why we love Jesus, and as we want to live more like Jesus, we bring people to the gate, and we we invite them to come on through too, to the life that is truly life. And it's just, I asked this question about why does it help us to love him, because it is the truth that has captured me, that has kept me, that is the reason I wanted to go into the ministry because I was so thankful and just understanding that truth, that sinful me, and you said all of us because it's, it's right. all of us. Right. But that truth just helped me to fall in love with him and want to give my life. And, and, and our hope, right, is that we hope everyone understands this truth. Everyone falls in love with this truth and it changes their life. Yeah. And when you, I mean, when you look at Jesus and you really apply the life of Jesus to your own life, Jesus is asking a lot, but he gave a lot. 
Uh, right. I mean, as I studied this week for the message, so many people talked about how the narrow gate basically only fits a naked self. So you don't come through with your possessions. You don't come through with your friends. You don't come through with your family. You literally hardly come through with the clothes off your back. You have to pass like body and soul into surrendering Jesus, trusting Jesus, obeying Jesus. Uh, like one, one author described this gate as basically being the size of you and you and only you can fit. But it leaves all your past on the other side. It leaves all your sin on the other side. And like as you pass, as you pass through it, it makes you brand new. And if that sounds too vulnerable, it's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. Body and soul without a single scrap of clothing on him. He gave his life in that condition so we could give our life in that condition. So we could pass through nothing but body and soul, surrendering everything else, trusting Jesus with everything else. You're like, man, Jesus asked a lot. Yes, he does. But he was willing to give more and he was willing to go first so that we could trust as we responded to his invitation to come through the narrow gate that he passed through body, soul and cross and that we passed through with body, soul and only through the cross. You began to actually unpack question two, but there's, man, there's so much more. Um, the next discipleship track is the scripture track where we hope to, uh, we want people to better understand scripture. And you mention, you make mention of the who, right? Can you help people to understand who Jesus was talking to? You mentioned Nicodemus, uh, a Pharisee, those who claimed and understood scripture unbelievably. Um, so why, why in these verses 16 through 19 would, would that be so challenging to that person? Why, as the chosen represents, did he have to meet with Jesus secretly? Right? Why was that such a big deal? Well, so in our scripture track, we'll teach something over the course of a year called a tour of the Bible that just helps you understand how all of scripture fits together. One of the things you will understand when you take a tour of the Bible is that even though the Gospels, the the four books that present the good news of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, although they appear to kind of tell the same story, you have to understand the chronology of how the chronology weaves itself in and out of the life of Jesus to understand episodes like Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus happens in John chapter 3. It's like, oh, that was like one of the first things Jesus did in ministry. No, not really. Uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus after Jesus had done quite a bit of ministry. And Matthew, very wisely, so Matthew's book written to Jewish people, through the lens of the Old Testament Messiah, Matthew says, here's how Jesus introduced himself to the Jewish world. Nicodemus was someone who would be represented by the Jewish world. And he starts with the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus basically saying, you Pharisees and Sadducees have been tried to do it by yourself. You're not good enough. Unless you're as perfect as God is, you need a savior. You need to be born again. It's not going to work. So Nicodemus in the story of scripture would be after the Sermon on the Mount, probably much later than the Sermon on the Mount. So here's a guy with a soft heart who has probably worked his whole life to be good enough for the God of Israel to not only lead on behalf of the God of Israel, but to personally be connected to him. And somehow he's heard this message The this message of this new rabbi has gotten back to him that his righteousness is not enough and that he needs more. So he comes to Jesus not only after teaching, but it has to be after miracles because he says no one can do the things you're doing unless God is with them. Help me understand. Like, is is this the kingdom? Is it really happening? 
Does God want more? Do I, do I need more? And he comes to him under the cover of darkness because the rest of the Pharisees and Sadducees by this time are trying to figure out how to silence this guy, not follow him. And now here's Nicodemus who not only will become a follower, but will go with another member of the council, which probably meant that Nicodemus was one of the 70 members of the Sanhedrin, kind of the Jewish Senate of the day. He and Joseph, when Jesus is crucified, they go get his body and take it and bury it. So Nicodemus, for two years, two or three years, was kind of this probably secret private disciple who'd given his heart to Jesus, but publicly wasn't exposed yet. And it was the, it was the love of the crucified Christ who gave his life for the world that allowed Nicodemus to say, I, I follow him. I love him. I'm with him. But he originally came under the cover of darkness because he, he was, he was the target of what we are learning in the Sermon on the Mount. Pharisees and Sadducees, not good enough. They think they are, but they're not. They need more. So while a lot of the Pharisees and Sadducees said, how are we going to shut the guy up? Nicodemus was one of the few that said, how are we going to hear more? And he went to him under the cover of darkness and said, help me understand more because his, his heart was being drawn to the narrow gate. If there was such a thing, he wanted to pass through it. If there was a narrow gate that led to life, he wanted to know where it was and he wanted to walk through it. And I think that's the great part of this message that God is still calling people. And even if we have friends or family members who are part, who are a part of a large group, that's trying to figure out how to silence Jesus. Even within every one of those groups, there are people who want to hear more. And there are people who are being drawn by God's Spirit to say, I know this whole crew and culture that I am a part of wants to silence Jesus, but my heart wants to hear more. And we just believe. It's why you and I are sitting here today. We just believe God is calling people out of every corner of the globe to follow through the narrow gate to find life. And we believe people are responding by the hundreds of millions across the world today. And and one of the main points of the discipleship track of Scripture is we hope people better understand Scripture, meaning religious people who come to our church who don't know Jesus, that the more they would understand it, they would truly understand the gospel. Because I've had many a conversation like you have of people who've come to our church over the last 10 years who were religious who gave their hearts to Jesus. And that's our hope, is people better understand Scripture that they might open their hearts to it. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of Nicodemuses that have some Scripture background, but their heart has not been changed yet. There are also a lot of people whose hearts have been changed and they have no Scripture background. Yes. And, and we need to help each of those people live in the discipleship track that will help them take their next step to becoming a disciple who can make disciples. Absolutely. The life track is another one of our discipleship tracks, and we want to help teach people how to apply these truths, right? How to apply the truths of Scripture to their lives when they hopefully learn it better in the Scripture track. With the truth that the road is narrow, that you very eloquently explain in your message, and and only a few find it, um, uh, what real-life application would you encourage people to take from that truth? I think two things, Ryan, especially... On this Father's Day message, uh, I'm wanting to extend grace and hope and life to parents whose adult children aren't following Jesus, and they sense either from themselves or their spiritual community just a, tre- a tremendous amount of pressure and shame that 
my whole family's not following Jesus. So we gave a list of, I mean, the spiritual patriarchs of scripture. We don't get here today without the pillars of these seven men in the Old Testament. Adam, Noah, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Aaron, the first high priest, uh, and then David. We look at these seven men and say all of them had at least one son who did not follow in his father's step spiritually. And when Jesus says, not everyone's going to follow, sometimes that means some of the people closest to us. And I said it in my message, every generation has desired for people in their life to follow Jesus. Ours just seems to be the first that apologizes for God when people don't want to follow Jesus. And like one of the pillars, like if we're, if we're going to make it spiritually, one of the spiritual foundations of our life has to be most people aren't looking for what Jesus is offering and, and, and don't want it. According to his teaching in Matthew 7, that only a few follow and most don't want to. And it's not that we grow heartless. As a matter of fact, we end the message with what type of heart do you have for people who aren't following? But Adam had Cain. And God said, Cain, you don't have to do this. Cain said, I, like, I want to. I don't want to follow God. Um, Noah had Ham, who was rebellious and disrespectful and had no regard for the God who built an ark to save his life. Uh, Abraham had Ishmael. Isaac had Esau. In my message, Jacob had most. Like he had, he had twelve sons. Most of them did not follow uh, the the God of Israel uh, like he did. Aaron's the first high priest of Israel. His two oldest sons, no desire to follow Jesus. David had Absalom, uh, a name which translated Abi Shalom, son of peace. His son of peace was one who tried to kill him and take his throne. It's like we live in this broken world and somehow we've got to, we've got to be able to love and trust God while people that we love dearly don't follow him. And like we've, we've got to figure out that tension without believing that God is a bad guy because Jesus like he's telling us not like. Not ev- not everyone's going to follow. Not ev- not everyone is going to follow, and he'll tell us in the weeks to come that some who are following are not even real. They're like when you look at their doctrine and their life, they say they're following, but they're liars. Um, so some will be opposed their entire life. Some people you love, maybe some people in your family, and some will act like they're in, but they really aren't. Some people you love, some people in your family. Yet you, I, like, I want you to follow me. So part of what I wanted to give in the life track was just hope to people that you just keep loving and you just keep praying and you just keep trusting and you just keep hoping. Uh, but you do not hold God responsible for people who don't want to follow him because great spiritual families since the beginning of time have had people who opt out and not in. It's heartbreaking to say but it is a reality that we've got to process so that our house doesn't tumble when, when, it, when it may occur with us. So that's one part of life that we wanted to touch on. I think another part of life that we wanted to touch on is the second key to 
the small gate, which is it's hard to find. So you got to tell people in your life who are looking for more, the people in your life who are looking for what Jesus offers, you're probably going to have to take them by the arm and show them the shortcut. Like when you and I back in the day played Nintendo, did you did you have like the regular Nintendo, yes. like the kind you had to blow in to get it to work half oh, the yeah. time? Like yeah. there's nothing in the owner's manual that says when it stops, like reset it and blow in it and it'll work. And none of the owner's manual had the, had like the warp worlds or, or like cheat codes for Zelda and Mario Mark Brothers Tyson and some, of, yeah, out. yeah, some of these old <laughs> school games. Yet we all knew them because some friend said, you have to see this. I think the other life part of this message was if you have friends that you can tell are looking for a different world, they're looking for the warp world they're trying to figure out is there a way through the brokenness to the other side that we got to kind of like take them by the arm and show them where the narrow gate is because it's hard to find it's open but it's hard to find so i think we we've got to realize twofold how to trust god and love and pray for those who have outright rejected him even when they're our own family members and we still got to love and trust god in the process and we got to find people who are looking for a warp out of this world into a better one. And we got to say, Hey, I know, I know, I know where that is. I know, I know how to get there. And we have to, and we have to show them the gate. So I think those two parts of application, one, one, an emotional one of just trusting God with, um, probably specifically parents who have kids who don't follow you. Like you just, you just got to keep moving forward. We can't understand that, but we just got to keep moving forward. Thank God. David didn't say if Absalom doesn't follow, I'm out too. But like he continued with God and he let his grown adult children make their own decisions. Saying, thank God Adam and Eve, when Cain decided not to follow God and killed Abel, didn't say, well, we're going to follow Cain because he's like our kid and we have to. But they had another son named Seth and they taught Seth to call on the name of the Lord. And like they didn't go the way of Cain. That That's part of the emotional life. But the ministry life is I've got people in my life looking how to get out of this world and jump to one that's better. I've got to show them where the gate is. Great application, and we hope to continue to teach people how to how to apply that through the life track. The the fourth track is the leadership. I've kind of got some slashes here: the leadership, the discipleship, the multiplication. We've kind of used all these as we've been uh, planning and talking. This track is is our hope is to lead people to help somebody else with what they've learned. How do they multiply that? How do they lead someone else? to grow in their faith as well. So Sunday's Father's Day. Uh, you touch on this toward the end of your message, but what, what what hope do you have for dads in our church, and how would you like to maybe challenge or encourage them? Yeah, so we the, the last part of the message was um, loving the lost slash dad life. Like, this is what it looks like to love people and have spiritual influence on them. Like, so we you could take dad. If it wasn't Father's Day, I probably wouldn't put dad life in there. But learning how to love people and have influence for Jesus. It's important for every Christian, maybe most important for dads. So it certainly is the dad life. So we said, if you really, if you want to have influence, like the leadership, our the last track of discipleship is leading someone else how to become a disciple. We give just a few steps at the end of this message. One, you have to model and discuss often why you are a follower of Jesus and, and how that makes you different. A lot of people do things because they're a follower of Jesus that they, that they never describe to other people. So people aren't learning. I'm doing that because of Jesus. And if you're a Jesus follower, you should do that too. So parents, when they're driving in their car and they have someone cut them off in traffic and they choose not to honk their horn or have road rage, 
instead of just not doing that, they need to say to their kids, like that person just cut me off. And like in my flesh, I wanted to do this, but because I'm a follower of Jesus, I just chose to have grace. Maybe they're having a bad day. Um, when, when you're at work and you hear a colleague is sick and you reach out to him, send him an email, shoot him a text, you need to then over lunch, tell somebody if you're trying to help develop them spiritually, Hey, so-and-so was not here today. And I just know as a follower of Jesus, sometimes it's really important to let people know you care and God cares. So I reached out and I sent him a text. It's just kind of, it's verbalizing what you're doing in life. Deuteronomy six says part of being a spiritual role model is talking about all the things you're doing and how and why you're doing them. So I'm, I'm trying to slowly become kind of a mechanic hack as things in my life keep breaking down and I don't want to pay to get them fixed. So like you can just find about anything on YouTube. So I go to these YouTube channels and these guys are talking through everything they do and why. Here's why I turn the car off and here's why I open the hood and here's why I have a light in there and here's the wrench I use and here's how I'm going to turn and here's where I'm going to put the screw so I don't lose it later. And they're like literally narrating everything they're doing. That's discipleship. Not just living for Jesus, but for those that you're close to narrating how and why and what and the reason that you are doing what you're doing, so they will think, oh, that's, not only will I do that, but I'll know why I do that. So that's the first part of, you know, dad life, not just living for Jesus, but telling your kids why you're living for Jesus. You want to influence someone for Jesus. Don't just live for Jesus. Tell them why you are living for Jesus. And then we got into that Job 1.5, that Job, when he wasn't sure whether or not his kids were following God, he would present them to God with his sacrifices. So he said, like, you, you got to get your kids to church. I think one, one of the big parts of the message for me was realizing that at the average lifespan, people live about 5,000 Sundays, roughly 5,000 Sundays. As a parent, you have your child for about a thousand of those. So you only have control of one out of every five Sundays that your kids will live their entire life. How are you spending those? How are you spending? You, you get to, like, God gives them 5,000 Sundays. He gives you a thousand to train them for the next 4,000. How are you using those? So I think this Job thought that I'm constantly presenting my kids before God, hoping that they'll grab onto this truth because they've got 4,000 more Sundays after they leave my house and I've got to show them what it looks like to present yourself to God. So that, that was a, that was a, a big piece of kind of spiritual math for me as I went through this message. I think asking God to forgive your kids sins, which I don't even know how that works spiritually. Like theologically, I can't really nail that one down, but Job would ask God, Hey, if my kids forgave, committed any sins, please forgive them. We live in a world that is trying to apologize to people for God's standards rather than apologize to God for their sin. And I think part of that is we love and are so concerned with our kids, especially when they walk away from God, that we, that we try to, that we try to explain God to our kids rather than explaining our kids to God. And I think one of the things that can keep our heart close to God is constantly going before God saying, you are right. My kids were wrong. You are right. My kids were wrong. You are right. My kids were wrong. You please forgive them. You are right. They were wrong. You are right. They were wrong. Instead of trying to, change God to your kids, ask God to help you change your kids. So I thought that that was a really insightful part too, of just continuing to remember the people around me are broken, but God is good. So I, I take those people to him. I think that, you know, I want to have spiritual influence. I think if you see God the right way, see people the right way, 
narrate your life out loud as you live your discipleship, and then make the most of the opportunities you have with people. Uh, most of their life will be lived without you. So when they're with you, how can you leverage your life and your influence to help people live for Jesus? I, re- I really enjoyed kind of the last part of that message. And, and most of it was forced upon me by my wife. I know you'll, you'll get here in the last question. Um, but I'm glad we could end on a positive note of, of where, where to go. If I have people in my life, um, who are more Cain than Adam, who are more Absalom than David, uh, who, you know, who are more the sons of Jacob than Jacob? Where do I where do I go? You know, great great thought that I will not forget. You talked about, and I've done it too because I'm cheap and I don't want to pay for things. So I'm like, <laughs> let me Google this. I wonder how many people have ever Googled because they've wondered how do I disciple someone. I, I'm sure there are some, but like, but really wanted to know a step by step how to do it because I think. I think the world would be a different place if there was a whole lot more Googling of that. But I just thought how great it was that some mechanics literally, because they wanted to help someone fix their radiator. Yep. Literally said, yep. put, put this here because you're going to lose it and you're going to be yep. in trouble. Yep. So that, what a great reminder is I, I'm, I'm discipling a group of men and leading some guys in the morning. And what a great way to just say what you do, document it and do it. And you and I learned some things about how to, some things not to do to have longevity in ministry, and now we try to pass that on to others. But, man, so many great truths, in this case for dads, but for all people. Yep. Uh, last question. Halfway through the message, you reference a comment from, from Danielle uh, where she said, ouch, surely you're going to bring some hope after presenting that, right? And that was the setup of the narrow road, and a few find it. You, you did present some really great hope after that, but but why is it so important? To be willing to share the parts of the Bible that are not easy to swallow. Because we live in a generation right now that would rather spit out food that takes a long time to chew on than to do the hard work and to get the sore jaws and to, and to process all the hard things spiritually. And so, so we've, we've got, we've got to feed even the tough parts of God's word to people and let them know, like, this is truth. This is foundational truth. So yeah, we end the first point of the message. I mean, the, the first goal of the message is we're, we're trying to help people reject Jesus because I believe it's time for the church to start asking people to reject Jesus according to his standards rather than accept Jesus according to their own. Cause that's not Christianity. So we need to clearly say like Jesus did, like these are the standards and they, and they don't change. So like, if you don't want Jesus, like reject him, rejecting him is better than accepting him on your own standards. Cause that's just confusing everyone. So as I walk through perfection destroyed, you got these seven pillars spiritually who all had a family member who rejected Jesus. And then you, and then you, you say what Jesus said. Most people reject Jesus. Danielle's like, like you're not going to end the message that way, right? <laughs> like, like literally, she said, like, like, I, yeah, ouch. I like, I don't think you can end the me- like. That is true. But what about those of us who have found Jesus and we want to help more people find Jesus? Jesus said, "There's a gate. It's open. You can find it. Might need some help, but when you do, it'll it'll bring you absolute life." So I, th- I think for us, knowing the tough parts 
One, I just I think it, it makes us stronger. It helps our gag reflex because, man, they were so quick in Christianity to give up. If someone who's close to us is like, man, I I just don't know that I'll, I want to follow if that's a standard. We're like, well, wait, 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 well, we'll change the standard. Jesus did not do that. So I think it helps the gag reflex of saying, okay, Jesus said most people wouldn't follow. And even the very best people in Scripture had people in their own families who didn't follow. Doesn't mean I don't need to follow. Does change the way I love and care and pray. And trust, but it doesn't change the way I follow. I, I just think it's it's important to say what Jesus said, to believe what Jesus believed, because I think when the storms of faith come, and some of those storms are people in our lives who are close to us who just outright reject Jesus, not to let that shock our soul to think, I guess we have to reject him too. Thank God Adam and Eve did not reject God when Cain did. Thank God that Noah did not reject God when Ham did. Thank God that Abraham did not reject the God of Israel when Ishmael did. Thank God that Isaac and Rebekah didn't throw away the promise when Esau did. Thank God that Jacob clung to Joseph and Judah when his ten other sons weren't really into it spiritually. Thank God Aaron didn't throw down his robe and quit when his sons were not fit to be priest anymore. And thank God that David did not quit raising his sons to know who Jesus was just because he, to know, to know, to know who the God of Israel was just because one of his sons, uh, didn't, didn't want to follow. Like, I just think we've, we've got to learn that foundation so our soul can endure those storms when people close to us, um, walk away. It really helps us love them and care for them better and, and trust God in a much, in a much deeper way. But we can't throw away our faith just because people reject Jesus because he said most would. Pastor Christian, thanks for being willing to deliver the truth of the Bible in a way that's uh, applicable, a way that uh, helps people love Jesus, and hopefully helps them want to uh, tell other people about it. So I really appreciate your insight on the podcast today. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, As always, if you're a new listener, we're really glad you decided to join us. Uh, We've got wonderful people all over the country, in fact, all over the world who are listening, and, and we're glad you're tuning in. We hope you'll Come back each week for more biblical insights, ways to activate your your faith. As always, if you're in town, we would love to see you in person. If you're listening from outside the Kansas City area, you can tune in uh, to our services online. Uh, but we would love to uh, to have you come and join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. If you've got a question, we can answer on the air. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.